Day Podcast, where we put you on the map. This is Ron Costa broadcasting live from the Maple USA Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. We're going to start our new season off real strong, talking about reggae. But before we do that, let's introduce Vicky Hetchmala from the World Token Market. Vicky, how are you today? I'm fabulous today. It's so... Well, you know, Ron, in Vegas, we love the weather. It's so nice. It's so warm. It's always sunny. But I got to tell you, boy, this this past week or so, we've had rain and snow and sun and cold, and we don't even know where we live anymore. Yeah, that's for sure. Absolutely. I used to think Vegas had the... The perfect weather. But you know what we're going to do, Vicky? We're going to introduce our right. guest today who, who lives okay. in perfect weather. All right? So, folks, let's <laughs> yeah, welcome right. once again Mike Brett from Small Cap Equity Advisors. Mike, how's it going over there? Going really well. We've had some uh, rain for the, almost the last two weeks. It's been cold, <laughs> uh, 30, 40 degrees, and hail in sunny California. So it's been kind of strange. That should never <laughs> happen. Should never happen. No. <laughs> Not in you know California. It, uh, it, it keeps you inside in your office so that you could uh, learn more about reggae, right? Yeah. There yeah, you go. Work done, yeah. Yep. Well, there you well, go. Mike, you know, you, you've been one of the most active people uh, in this industry. Uh, and you know, anyone who listens to our podcast probably knows you because you've been on so many times. But uh, just in case there's somebody out there that doesn't know about you, really quickly, can you just give us a little background on yourself? Yeah, yeah, sure. We, uh, you know, we prepare the Reg A, Reg D, and uh, crowdfund offerings. We all the paperwork and the prospectus. We file them with the SEC uh, to make sure it's a qualified offering. Uh, and we also, where necessary, we blue sky uh, the offering in states where uh, you know it's required. A lot of people don't know that when they're out there raising capital that. Uh, you know, they need to file in all the states where they're soliciting money. So we take care of that also to make sure it's blue sky. All the money that's raised uh, through the Reg A or Reg D is, um, you know, it's raised through uh, licensed broker dealers. Uh, we charge a retainer for preparing all the uh, uh, filings with the SEC. And then we do a marketing fee as well to bring investors to the offering on the uh, funding platform. Uh, and one last point, uh, a, a lot of people don't realize that if they're doing a uh, Reg CF crowdfunding, the SEC requires that that offering be posted to, or uploaded to uh, an SEC-approved funding platform, and all the money has to be raised on that platform. It can't be raised through a website. So, you know, we make sure that happens. And secondly, with Reg A, you can uh, use your website uh, but there's some restrictions, and we can cover that as we get into it uh, in this show. But really, uh, to sum up, you know, we do the filings, we make the introductions to retail investors, and where uh, we're necessary to institutional investors as well. We've been around 30 years doing this, yeah. making companies public, and uh, we enjoy doing your show. Yeah, oh, exactly. Well, thank, thank you. you and, you, uh, in other words, then, uh, Mike, you're kind of like that, that one-stop shop. Somebody's looking to go, to go reggae, they want to raise money, and they don't know anything about it, they'll just come to you, and you kind of just run with the ball and take the whole thing over, and, and, and yeah. they can be confident that you know what you're doing, right? Yeah, that's exactly what we do, because a lot of, uh, yeah. you know, again, a lot of companies out there trying to raise money, 
you know, they, they think they can use a deck or a business plan and they, they violate state and federal security laws all the time. So we kind of, we try to educate them to tell them, you know, what they can do, what they can't do. And we do it all. You know, we, we handle the filings, we handle the marketing, um, you know, investor relations. We, again, we take companies public if they want to go public. So yeah, we're a one-stop shop. Yeah, you don't want that that securities guy knocking at your door. That's never a good thing, right? Yeah, and a lot of people think, you know, that's not going to happen to them. But, what the, again, what they fail to understand is state regulators as well as the SEC, they monitor uh, everybody out there that's raising capital, and they investigate uh, everybody, you know, like if an investor calls up the state and says, look, I got solicited by XYZ company, you know, they're raising money. Um what do they have on file? And, you know, nothing. Well, that's a red flag right there. So somebody's going to come knocking on that door. So the yeah, security yeah. laws are there for a reason, and it's to protect investors. But there's just this myth out there that people think they can skirt uh, security laws and just go like the Wild Wild West and uh, raise money, and they just can't do it. So we try to keep them on the well, straight how many people? How many people actually uh, come to you? with the intention of going public, like on an, an OTC exchange, or uh, and do they know that they can do Regulation A to, to accomplish that? Yeah, good question. You know, I probably get one call a week uh, or one email a week. Most of them are not serious because, you know, they, they've heard uh, all the stories that, well, if we go public through a reverse merger or however we go public, um, we're going to, people are going to throw money at us and we're going to raise millions of dollars and, and so uh, probably 99% of the people that contact me about going public don't have a clue and they're not serious uh, and they don't have the money to actually be a public company. So, you know, I probably take one to two companies a year uh, public. Oh, that's not that, that's not as much as people would think, but you know, it, it, it seems that what I've observed is that, when there's something like the Reg A crowdfunding a concept that helps people to raise money and gather investors for their companies, it also creates that negative side where now you have the people that are coming, the, the shysters that will take advantage and the people that will do what they can to fraud everybody, take the money and run. And again, it goes back to that same concept that we always say, you have to have expert advice and consultation to help you through this process because of all of the regulations and all of the people out there that are doing things under the table. It's important, like Ron said, so you don't get the SEC come knocking on your door. And that's what you work to help companies to do to avoid that because you are yeah, experts at yeah, what and, you do. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, to the point also that you're making, Vicki, um, you know, I get uh, comments from people, well, if, you know, if we pay you do, to do the SEC offering, is that a guarantee that we'll raise money? No, there, there, is, no <laughs> no. there is no guarantee that you're going to raise money. For a lot of factors, you know, you might have a crappy deal, um, you know, people may not trust you. They may not like you. You know, you know, just because, you know, we do a filing for you to make sure you're legal doesn't mean there's a guarantee that you're going to raise capital. And that's one of the biggest myths that are out there as well is that, you know, somebody's got a guarantee they're going to raise money if, if you're 
uh, doing a filing form for the SEC, and that's just not true. You know, so I have to deal with a lot of those phone calls and emails on a weekly basis as well, uh, you know, to get it down to serious people who understand the process. So what in in the years that you've been doing this, Mike, what do you see as the the biggest uh, obstacle to companies and individuals when they try to go into the crowdfunding space, be it reggae or CF or uh, 506? What is it that you're finding that is the biggest problem that people don't pay attention to? Yeah, good good question. Years ago, you know, I'm talking – 15, 20 years ago, it was a different ball game then because you, you only had Reg D uh, 504 basically um, to do an offering, and you couldn't advertise and market and promote. You had to deal with pre-existing business relationships. That was the standard by the SEC. Now, fast forward in the last, uh, since 2016, when crowdfunding came in under different code sections, crowdfunding, Reg A, et cetera, you know, you're allowed to do some advertising solicitation to find investors. And that's the biggest uh, stumbling block that I run into with companies. <clears throat> they think that if they if they do a, a filing with the SEC, regardless of what it is, and they upload it to their documents to a platform, and they just sit back with their feet up on their desks and think the investors <laughs> were going to throw money at them. You know, so exactly. the biggest obstacle is, the biggest obstacle is that they don't have a budget. They don't know any investors, uh, you know, aside from friends and family, and they don't know how to reach out, you know, to people. You know, yeah. one of the, the concepts I tell people, I say, look, if you're trying to raise a million dollars at $25,000 per investment, that's 40 investors, 40 out of that's about 15. Well, yeah, but there's 15 million accredited investors out there that could possibly be interested in your deal and you only need 40. But if you don't know 40, you know, you're going to have to go through 4,000 contacts to whittle that down to 40 people that are going to write you a check for $25,000. And again, that's a concept that people just can't get their arms around. They, you know, they just think if they have a deck or a business plan or some kind of filing, People are just going to throw money at them. It just, if, if that was the case, everybody would be successful raising money and they're not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it's like, yeah. Okay, they told me this was going to be easy, and, and I saw where everybody raised all kinds of money, so it's going to be easy for me too. But if nobody knows you're around, you might have the best thing since sliced bread, but if nobody knows about you, nobody's going to give you money no matter how fabulous your deck is. Yeah, and that's exactly what I tell people, too. I, I, how are somebody supposed to write you a check if they've never heard of you, they've never seen your deal, you know, they, they know nothing about you, they've never met you? A lot of people want to hide behind Zoom and videos and stuff, and they're afraid to get out and meet uh, investors face to face and try to close them, and you, know, you just you, there's only so much you can do over the internet and through Zoom. Uh, some, right. Sometimes you just have to get down in the trenches and get out there. But you know it's a lot of hard work. It's time consuming and it's expensive to raise money. And those are the elements that a lot of people don't understand. They they look at all the headlines in the Wall Street Journal or on some internet 
page or whatever that so and so raised uh, five million dollars. Yeah, well, but it took them a year, and exactly. you know, cost a lot of money and, and effort. So nothing's an overnight sensation, right, Mike? Absolutely. Yep. It, it just doesn't happen yep. like everybody wants wants you to believe it does, and that's again, yeah. that's a stumbling block for me. I have to go through that. And that's why I'm so active on LinkedIn and and other places too. I try to educate some people to try to um, soften the blow when I do have a phone call with them that they're not surprised that there are no guarantees. I mean, if I could <clears throat> if I could go out and raise five million dollars without spending a half a million dollars in marketing, legal, accounting fees, I sure to hell wouldn't do it for a stranger. I'd do it for myself. <laughs> and that's what I and that's what I tell them. I said, "There's just no way. I mean, no way you're going to raise five million dollars without doing legal, accounting, marketing, and having a presence where investors can contact you. You know, so it's a, exactly. it's a hard nut to crack. I love and your, once I you love actually, on LinkedIn, Mike, every time I, I read yeah. your posts on LinkedIn, it's, they're really great because they're they're so brutally honest and right to the point. It looks like you're yelling at someone yeah. in a nice way. <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't mean to do that, but sometimes I, I just get so frustrated because, you know, I'll do the same post over and over with a different slant only because, you know, I I get the same questions from people. As an example, you've probably seen some of my posts out there about you can't use unlicensed finders to, to raise money. Yes. And yes, I'll put that out there and yeah, and and I'll I'll tag other articles from law firms and the SEC and why it's illegal. And as soon as the post is out there, I'll get a phone call from somebody saying, uh, "Can we hire you as an unlicensed finder?" Yeah. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. And again, you know, Reg A. I I like the Reg A space. Even you know, we'll do Reg D's and. A regular uh, CF crowdfund, but I like the Reg A because there's just so much flexibility with it for, you know, private companies and also public companies can raise money. Yeah, OTC well, public companies can use it. Yeah, let's let's get into that point a little bit more. We started off the podcast with that. All right, so you're going to do a Reg A, let's say. How does Reg A lead to the OTC listing? Uh, good question. There's two elements. Number one, if you're already – an existing OTC public company, uh, either a, a bulletin board, you know, a, a QB company or a pink, the SEC uh, in 2018 allows you to use Reg A to raise money, do the filing, get qualified, and reach out to investors. Uh, secondly, if you're a private company, you could do Reg A to raise money, and then if you decide you want to list as a public company, either on OTC or a major exchange if you meet the requirements, Reg A allows you to go public using that filing. So that's why I like the flexibility of companies using that. And again, um, OTC companies, the only avenue they've had <clears throat> for the last 20 years has been all this toxic convertible note financing that the SEC has been coming down on all those so-called lenders in the last few years. So it's really tightened up the market for existing public companies to raise money. And that's one reason why the SEC said, fine, okay, you can use Reg A uh, to go out and raise money if, if you qualify, do the filings, et cetera. But 
you, you know, again, it's an educational process in some of these companies. They say, no, we don't, we don't want to pay the money to do a reg A. Well, then how are you going to raise money? You don't have any free trading stock. Yeah. Investors are not going to put money in your deal for restricted stock for 12 months or longer. How are you going to raise money? And then they always go back to that same story. Well, we've got contacted by this lender that said they'll do some notes, convertible notes. Yeah, but you have to do an S-1 registration at some point. Well, that's true. I mean, so it's kind of like a circle. Um, but the Reg A Plus is really an avenue for private and public companies to raise money. All right. And then there's the issue you talked about before with the blue sky laws, right? I think, uh, I believe if you do a tier two registration on a Reg yeah. A, uh, that's, you don't have to worry about that, right? Well, yeah, yeah. There's an exemption from the blue sky, but some states require you uh, to file a notice filing. In other words, you have to. There's a form, and you pay maybe two hundred dollars, depending on what state that you're raising capital in that state or soliciting. So it's called a notice filing. If you do a tier one, you don't have exemptions from blue sky. So every state that you're going to raise money in, um, those states are going to require you to do a filing let them review it, let them qualify it, and, you know, on and on and on. And that's one thing that a lot of people raising money don't understand. You need to qualify in every state. And there are about seven states that don't allow issuers to raise money. It has to go through a broker-dealer. You know, um, huh. Arizona, Arizona, Florida, New Jersey, Texas, those are some of the key states where there's a lot of money. But issuers can't solicit money in those states. I get calls all the time from people in Florida, and I say, who's your broker-dealer? Oh, we don't want to go through a broker-dealer. Well, <laughs> you can't raise money yeah. in the state of Florida unless it's a broker-dealer. So, again, those are some of well, the nuances. Yeah, that is interesting. What about the S-1 now? What's what's within that document? Is that, is that an overview? Or yeah, an S what? well, no, an S-1 is a very detailed prospectus that somebody would file with the SEC, uh, much like a, a Reg A, except, you know, there's with a Reg A, it's less detailed and less information you, you file. But the big difference between the Reg A and the S-1 is with a, the S-1, once you file with the SEC an S-1, there's what's called a quiet period for about 60 days or 90 days where you can't raise money. You can't even talk about raising money with an S-1. So you're dead in the water for 60 or 90 days until your S-1 gets approved and becomes effective. So, I mean, you can advertise your products and that kind of stuff, but you can't say, you know, we have an S1, we're raising $100 million and et cetera, et cetera. Now with a Reg A, that's, you can do that. You can um, advertise, market, what they call test the water. You can say, you know, we've got a Reg A that we're doing, we're gonna raise $25 million, um, you know, and you can talk about, uh, so that's a big difference between the S-1 and, and the Reg-A. Um, and again, the Reg-A is a lot more flexible. You only have to report twice a year to the SEC, so it, as opposed to four times with an S-1. So a lot of little nuances that people should be aware of. Yeah, is an S-1 kind of comparable to a private placement memorandum? Um, yes and no. I mean, an S-1 is what's, yeah, an S-1 is a disclosure document. It's like a, a a PPM uh, that you're filing, uh, but it's an S. Once the S-1 is declared effective, you can apply to be a publicly traded company as well. You can apply to FINRA. 
get a stock symbol, apply to NASDAQ to get a listing. So the, the S-1 allows you to, uh, it's a disclosure document uh, with, with audited financial statements that allows you to go public. It's more cumbersome, it's more time consuming, uh, more expensive to do an S-1. And again, that's why the SEC came up with the modified Reg A+. Right, right. And what about these guys who, who you know, they say, well, you know, we have a pitch deck, like you mentioned before. Oh, we got a pitch deck. Oh, uh, you know, we'll yeah. use that for our content for the S1. That's not good. Yeah, it, it, no, it's illegal to do that. You can't, I mean, there's only two legal ways of raising money. You have to fi uh, file a full-blown registration, like an S1, or you have to file an exemption from registration, like a Reg A or Reg D or the Reg CF crowdfunding. Those are the only two ways. I mean, you can include your deck in the filing as your business plan, but going out and, and soliciting capital and taking checks from people, you have to have either a registration or an exemption for registration, period. You cannot show somebody a fancy deck or a business plan and say, we're, you know, we're raising money, give me a check. It's illegal. And there's a lot yeah. of reasons why, but the main reason is the business plan and the deck don't really disclose risk to the investor that the investor needs to be aware of. And that's what the whole idea about filing with the SEC. Yeah, actually, there, right. there is a third way, right? There's, there's a third way. You can always, uh, always kidnap Elon Musk, right? Yeah, there you go. Have him write you a check, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, let me, let me ask you something. Do, do uh, nonprofits, are they allowed to uh, raise capital through uh, crowdfunding reggae? No, not really. I mean, or do uh, they? Uh, yeah, well, the, the nonprofits really don't are not set up to issue stock. So, you know, it's what are you going to give investors unless you're going to do some kind of debt financing? I don't get into a lot of the nonprofits because, you know, there's a reason they're a nonprofit. You know, it's more of a charity type case, donations. Um, right. And again, the five, the, 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 uh, I think it's a 506 uh, or 503 um uh, you know, charitable uh, company or non-profit, yeah. and they, they're not set up to issue stock to investors, and investors want stock certificates. If they're going to write you a check for 100000 they want a stock certificate that shows equity ownership, you know, in that. So uh, they're not really, you know, they're not really set up to raise money. I oh, had a museum okay. contact me. I had a museum out of Texas contact me uh, last year that want, <clears throat> wanted to raise some money, and I I told him, you know, the way you're set up, you can't do it. You'd have to do a C corporation and start from scratch, do a Reg A, and, and you know, it was just too cumbersome. And, and I said, you're best just to set up, stay the way you are as a nonprofit and, and try to get your donations coming in and not try to be a public company. Well, yeah, that would that takes you into a, a whole dark area of possibilities that you just want to stay away from that. That's just... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you want you... Uh, a company or once you've successfully launched one of these platforms, do you or small cap, do you invest in any of the companies that you help to launch? We'll do on a reg A if it's a public company. 
Uh, I've got some partners. So if it's a publicly traded company with the stock being about 25 cents a share and they trade about $25,000 a day in volume, we'll take a look at it and become the lead investor on that. We don't uh, get involved with any uh, private companies uh, because, again, the stock is not freely tradable. Um, reggae is, if it's a private company, the stock is all free trading. But we, if we're going to be an investor, we want publicly traded stocks. Um, so yeah. that's the way we'll get involved, you know, we'll get involved. And that's kind of the topic for this show is, you know, how OTC companies can use reggae and then use us as kind of a, like a lead investor. I mean, if they qualify, it, I, I get calls from people that are OTC companies that are trading for less than a penny. And, you know, they trade 35 million shares a day at less than a penny. You know, wow. we're not, we're not interested in, in those kind of, company because there's only way that, that stock is going to go is down, you know, and, and typically when yeah, you do a reggae high. financing, yeah, typically when you do a reggae financing for a public company, um, the, you have to do it at a discount to where the market is. You can't do, the rules are, you can't do an at the market offering under reggae. So if a stock is trading for a dollar, you've got to do a reggae at, at 75 cents, something that's not at the market. So it's a discount, and that's the incentive for an investor to want to come in. I mean, if you're pricing it at the market, there's no incentive for them to invest in your reggae. They could just buy in the open market. Mm. Well, that makes sense. That yeah, makes it sense. Does. It does. Mike, a couple of things before we close this out, a couple more questions for you. Um, yeah. What are, these, what are these safe agreements that I keep hearing about? Yeah, good good point. Uh, those were invented by uh, Silicon Valley uh, several years ago, um, and they're just, in my opinion, you know, they're useless uh, because a safe agreement does not give the investor any equity now. So if an investor writes you a check today for $100,000 for a, under a safe agreement, the investor gets nothing unless certain what they call trigger events in the safe agreement happen. In other words, a trigger event can be if we're going to raise additional money selling common stock, if we're going to go public within two years, if, 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 then you, your, your investment triggers and converts into a certain percentage of equity. If the trigger event never happens, the investor loses his money. The SEC put out a, a bulletin. The SEC put out a bulletin uh, a, a year ago to have investors be very wary of getting involved in safe agreements. And I know there's different opinions on LinkedIn about, you know, are they, aren't they? But I I just don't like them. They're not they're not fair to investors, really. No, because they yeah. you take your money, but then they uh, tie your hands behind your back about what you can do with that. Why yeah, would anybody yeah, even go into it? Why would you even do yeah. that when you have that kind of uh, – uh, 50-50 of losing it. Well, what, again, the the theory behind the safe agreements developed by Silicon Valley is Silicon Valley venture capital funds wanted to get involved in a technology company quickly without doing a lot of due diligence and everything. So they wanted to mm -hmm. tie that up in, in case it did take off of somebody else. So they put a hundred grand in. They came up with the safe agreement. They could afford to lose a hundred grand if something doesn't happen. Well, then everybody and his brother decided to use a, a form 
that they could find on the on the internet of a safe agreement and then everybody started saying oh let's use the safe agreement this way we don't have to pay for legal fees we don't have to pay for a reg d or reg a or an s1 or you know it's just not fair to investors and investors are smart um you know they look at it and say wait a minute i'm not going to write you a check for 100 grand and get nothing you know this is not even an uh, an unsecured promissory note it's nothing it's not convertible some people on linkedin will say well it's a convertible note no it's not uh, not it, wow. it's not so you just you have to read the document um, now some of them are drafted where you know they may give investors something but you re the investor really has to have somebody read that over be uh, to make sure he understands what the trigger events are and what's the possibility of those trigger events happening or not happening and him losing all his money and getting absolutely nothing out of it. And let, let me yeah, give you an example. You... I looked at I, I looked at a safe agreement last year where um you know it talked about if, if we raise money through common stock, then that's a trigger event and you, Mr. Investor, can convert in some equity. But they sold preferred stock, not common, preferred for additional financing. Uh, that was not a, that was not a trigger event for the investor. It only said common stock, so they were the, the company was able to sell preferred. They were able to sell notes and anything other than common stock, and there was no trigger event for the investor. He lost out. Oh, <laughs> yeah. See, and so when you focus on marketing the trigger event. And that's all everybody thinks. Wow, well, when this happens, I'm going to make all this money. But if the trigger event never happens, you make nothing, but they don't tell you that. So it's like, it's kind of like semantics. Oh, look over here, but don't watch this yeah. little twinkly light over there because over here it's better. And then you end up, nothing yeah. happens to you, but somebody convinced you that you were going to end up with the whole world and you got nothing. Yeah, don't don't pay attention to the guy behind the curtain, you know. Exactly. Or the Wizard of Oz. Don't pay attention to the guy behind the curtain, you know. Yeah, it's again, yeah. the the investor yeah. has to read or have his lawyer or advisors read those safe agreements and understand going in because you know the company offering them, you know, the company offering the safe agreement, you know, in most cases they're not out to rip off an investor, but. They certainly don't have the investors in good intentions if they're using those safe agreements where there's a possibility the trigger event may not happen and then the investor loses money. There's much other way, better ways of doing it. But again, mm -hmm. it was invented by Silicon Valley for their particular deal and everybody else decided to jump on the bandwagon. Right. Okay. Right. One, one, and one and it takes the liability me. away. Yeah. What, um, you can raise up to $75 million on the Reg A uh, every year, I believe, right? So Yes, with, a, with Tier 2, you can, yeah. Yeah, Tier 2. Okay, so how, how do companies determine how much money they're going to raise? Like, why don't they just raise the whole $75 million? Why, why are some people raising $10 million, other people raising $15 million, et cetera? Yeah, good question. You know, a lot of companies can't justify $75 million. They, they In their use of proceeds, they really don't have a need for $75 million. That's one thing the investors – look at on the reg a and any other capital raise you know what's the use of proceeds and it has to pencil out so if you're going to raise 75 million dollars you better have a, a very detailed use of proceeds most companies initially need five to ten million dollars 15 million 
uh, and then, you know, they can go to the next level and, and do the $75 million if they want. But uh, most of them don't, don't do the 75 because they just can't justify it coming out of the gate. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes a whole lot of sense. So, uh, yeah, so a lot, of, a lot of good nuggets here, good pieces of information today, uh, Mike. How do, how do people get a hold of you if they want to find out more? Yeah, they can send me an email, which is the best. It's mikebrett at gmail.com. Uh, or they can go to LinkedIn and look up my profile. Or they can call me, 951 236 8473, and we can have a conversation, or again, email is probably the best way. Okay, great. And, and, and Vicki, how many people are in this business that know reggae, and how many know it as well as Mike does? Is that, he's, he's incredible, right? Yeah, absolutely <laughs> he is. You know, you know, Ron, this is why we love to have Mike on our podcast, because Mappable USA is all about educating our listeners on whatever the topic is that we're discussing. And when it comes to reggae, when it comes to crowdfunding, you want somebody who really knows what they're talking about and who really knows how to fix the problem that you created by going someplace else to find a shortcut. And now you have to spend twice as much to fix the mess that you did in the first place. Where Mike, there's no such shortcuts. It's going to cost you money. He tells you the information up front, and then he does a successful launch, and then you make money. So I don't understand. If you're going to do something, well, do it right the first time. Don't do it at all. And if you're going to do a crowdfund reggae launch, hire Mike because he can do it right for you. Yeah, I and appreciate the, the, the comments because, yeah, there's so many mis, uh, misinformation out there, myths about raising capital that is guaranteed that, you know, you can do it free and just so much nonsense that you have to overcome. And, and a lot of these entrepreneurs or even late-stage businesses that are trying to raise money don't really understand, you know, the legalities of raising capital and what you have to go through. And it's just, you know, that's what we're here for. We're here to educate and help and guide. Uh, but ultimately, you know, the, the company's got to pull the trigger and say, okay, we want to get started on one of these vehicles. Let's get started. Exactly. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And well, this has been a great uh, first podcast of the new season. So thank you, Mike, again, for being a guest. Uh, thank you, Vicki, for yep. co-hosting. And folks, you listen to the Mappable USA podcast at mappableusa.com. If you just go to that homepage and scroll down, you'll see all our syndication sources. Pick one that you like the best and subscribe, and you'll never miss another one of our episodes. And if you want to be a guest of the show like Mike was today, there's a guest tab there. You can fill that out. We'll see what you do by getting on the show. And if you like what you heard today, send us an email at info at mappableusa.com or just leave a comment on whatever page you're listening to on right now. So thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. We'll be at you next time with another Mappable USA podcast. Have a great week, everyone.